Welcome back to the Such Things Podcast. We've got our coffee. We've got our Bibles open. We're in John chapter 14, and we're continuing to take a fresh look at Jesus. Let's jump right in here. Have a sip of coffee. Here we go. John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Man, that's a good message to start with, right? Starting a new year, 2022. I was telling one of my friends the other day, one of the brothers at church, in fact, I told the whole church, you know, it's the first week of February now, but I feel like the month of January was just like, <laughs> like, psych, you thought it was 2022, but welcome back to 2021, or <laughs> better yet, it's still 2020. We got a new variant for you. COVID's still here. Lockdown again. So here we are, first week of February. Now we're starting 2022. 2022. Happy New Year. Um, here we go. Don't let your hearts be troubled, my friends. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. I love it. He says, I'm going back to my father's house. Jesus, throughout the book of John, he spoke often of his father. I tell you, uh, if you want an interesting study, go through and find all the references to my father, my father, my father. It's all over the place in John. He talked about his father all the time. And here we are in John 14. We're coming to the end now. Jesus is, is drawing to, to, to the final you know, moments and hours with his disciples. And he talks about going back to his father's house. It's almost like he's longing for home. He can't wait to get back home to his father. His journey here on earth is coming to a close. And he can't wait to bring us there, to live with him and his father forever. There's no place like home, Dorothy said. And I think Jesus was feeling that here. So bear that in mind as we go on and read. And we're going to hear him talk about his father, going home to his father. Let's keep reading. John 14, verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way, you know, the way, the way to your home? Jesus answered, well, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, well, show us the Father, Philip said. That'll be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Philip? Even if after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe me when I say that 
I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may be in glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I will ask the Father. You see it over and over. He's talking about the Father. He's thinking about going home to the Father. He says, I'll ask the Father. He'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, well, if anyone loves me, he'll obey my teaching. My father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I've spoken while still with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all the things, all things, and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and don't be afraid. It's back where he started. Don't be troubled. He's about to leave them. He's, he's preparing them for the cross. He's going to leave, so he says, don't. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He repeats it. More and more talk here in John 14 about his father, about their connection. He says, I'm in the father. The father is in me. And more talk about the father making his home, a home with us. He says, um, we will come to him and make our home with him, with the one who, who follows me. But did you see, there's also talk about another member of this family, the Holy Spirit, the counselor or or the advocate. Jesus has alluded to the Holy Spirit before in John, but here at the end, he begins to talk at length about the Holy Spirit in these final chapters. All right, well, well, let's just keep reading here and and, and bear with me. We're going to read some scripture and try to to see what's really on Jesus' heart and mind here about his father and about his family, about us, about the Holy Spirit, here here at the end. John 15, verse 5. He says, okay, I'm the vine. You are the branches. And again, you got to remember, he's up in the upper room. This is, you know, this is at the end. I mean, these are his last big words that he's sharing with them. He says, okay, guys, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a a man remains in me and I in him, 
he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father, my Father's commands, and remain in his love. Over and over, remain. The King James Version says, abide. If you look up the, the, the Greek word that he's using here, it's, it's, it's a word, it means, you know, it's a word about home. I told you, Jesus is, I think, getting a little homesick here. There's no place like home. He's, he's thinking about going back home. He's thinking about the suffering he's about to endure. And just like any child, when you're in pain, when you're hurting, Man, you you want your dad, you want your mom, and I think I think Jesus is thinking about home. This word "remain," it's a word. It means home, abode, dwelling. It's related to the same word back in chapter fourteen twenty three when he says, "My Father will love him, will come to him, will make our home with him." We're to make our dwelling with him. He wants to be our abode, our home to be with him and his father. Remember he said, he said, hey, don't be troubled. I'm going home and there's going to be a room for you in my home. Remain, abide, make a home there. I think there's actually a connection here to the the Shekinah glory of God in the Old Testament, that the dwelling, the abiding of God's presence with his people. That's, you can go study that. And then in Revelation, um, it's declared, you know, now the dwelling of God, the home of God is with men. I think there's actually a lot of connections here, but but we'll, we'll stick to the our text right here. That's John 15. Okay, remain, abide, dwell, make your home with me. Then in, in John 16, he has a lot more to say about the Holy Spirit. You can go and read that. I'm going to kind of just keep keep moving here, but you can go ch- look in 16 a lot more about the, the other member of the family. You got the Father, you got the Son, but you got the Holy Spirit. The member that actually seems to be instrumental in binding us together and making us a family. But I, I think sometimes we, we don't talk a lot about this member of the family. Even now, I'm kind of moving quickly beyond chapter 16 for the sake of time. <laughs> I feel a little guilty now. I think the spirit is a little like Bruno in the family from uh, Encanto. <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno. No, no. We don't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit because it's kind of a mystery. But I think the spirit is... The Holy Spirit is this member of the family that kind of binds us all together and makes us a family in some way. 
Apparently the Spirit joins the whole family together, helps us communicate and work together. We'll see some more. Let's move on to John 17. Jesus is praying here. His great, you know, we call this his high priestly prayer, you know, before he is going to go to the cross. And here he is praying for us, praying for future believers. And he says this, I need a little more coffee here. I'm in John 17, verse 20. Stay with me. We're going to pull all this together. This is going to be well worth it. He says, okay, my prayer, he's praying to God, his father. He says, look, father, my prayer, it's not for them alone. It's not just for the 12 apostles. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us, guys. And what's his prayer for us? He says, that all of them may be one, father, just as you're in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us. <clears throat> so the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. Right, that there's a glory. That's another connection to this Shekinah glory of God, the, the dwelling of God with his people. That would be a really cool, interesting study. Right, he says, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Father, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am, you know, to be, to be in my house, to be in our house, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. See, he mentions praying for our unity, but let me tell you guys, uh, <laughs> The more I reflect on this passage, this is not primarily a passage or a prayer about Christian unity in the church. Yes, I mean, that, that is implied, that it will be a result of this prayer. That's in this prayer. It is there. But this is first and foremost, I believe, a passage that's a prayer of Jesus, the cry of the heart of Jesus, that's bringing together what he came here for. This, all this talk about my father, my father, my father. This is a passage, first and foremost, about our union with him and the father. He says, may they, I in them, you in me, may they be brought to complete unity. So that, hey, what does he say here? Where's my verse? That all of them may be one, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Unity in the church is a natural result and, and is a part of this prayer. But he, he wants us to be bound to, in this familial relationship, this blood connection. And, and then he wraps up this prayer and you can see chapter 18, the, the subtitle in, in the NIV, Jesus arrested. We move right now into the, 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 the story of the cross, 
In chapter 18 and 19, we see his suffering, his passion, his death. Go read that. I'm not even going to try to do that justice in this podcast. But you see the suffering of Jesus. And let me tell you, anytime, if, if it's been a while, it might be good to just sit down, take about an hour, and just read through one of the Gospels. Read through John from start to finish. Take an hour, two hours, and just read it cover to cover. It's not really that long. And let me tell you, when you get to the end, it's like, wait, 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 wait. It's not supposed to end like this. This man who's been teaching and preaching and setting this phenomenal example of courage and compassion. Wait, it's almost like, no, no, they got the ending wrong. You know, I feel like the, the kid in <laughs> um, Princess Bride, when he's like, wait, 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 no, this is not how the story's supposed to end. He's not supposed to die. Whoa, what? Why is he suffering like this? You know, I. you read chapter 18 and 19, it's like, wait, wait, wait. They did what to him? How, how could this happen? Why? Why did he go through this? I want to tell you why. I, I want to show you what I think got him through his passion, his suffering. I want to show you here in John chapter 20. The first time in John that we meet Jesus after he has risen from the dead. And I want you to pay close attention to his words, to what's on his heart. See, out of the, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Let's see what's on his heart after he's risen from the dead. I'm in John 20, verse 11. I'm sorry, I'm, uh, yeah, verse 11 here. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. I'm, I'm quite confident that this is deliberate, that Jesus' first appearance is to a woman. Make note of this. That men and women are both invited into this new covenant he says, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. 
I mean, this gives me chills reading this to you. And for years I missed it until I really looked more closely at Jesus' connection to Father, his use of the word Father, referencing his Father. Did you catch it here? He made it clear. It's no longer my Father, but my Father and your Father. I'm here to tell you today that this, this is what Jesus died for. To make us family, to give us home in this family with his Father. Not just to forgive our sin. Yes, to forgive our sin, but but why? To adopt us, to bind us, give us a home and a family. This is what the Holy Spirit is sent for. It keeps the family together. See, we, we were made in, in his image, right? Back in Genesis 1, we were made in his image, just like any child. You say, oh, that's that's my kid. Look at that kid. Oh, they're, they're a spitting image of their dad, of their mom. We use that those words. But see, we we strayed. We ran away from home. And so the Spirit has been sent to restore us into the image of our Father. This is a process that occurs throughout our Christian life. We receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit makes its home in our heart upon our baptism, our adoption ceremony. In fact, what is baptism called? A new birth. What is a birth? A birth is when someone enters into the family. But his work, the Spirit's work, continues for a lifetime of making us back into the image of our Father, binding us, connecting us to him. And so when Jesus is praying in John 17, his high priestly prayer, he is longing, he is dying, literally, for us to have this intimate connection with our Father and with him through his Holy Spirit. He died for you to be in this family. He died. He says, go tell my brothers. <laughs> Love it. They're not just his disciples anymore. Earlier he had said, I've called you friends. Now he says, you're my brothers. I've died for this. For my listeners, I'm here to tell you, this is what Jesus died for for you. Maybe you came from a jacked up family. I don't know what your family background is, but he's offering a new one, a connection, a blood connection. He shed his blood. And, and I love this. I love this. This might be one of my favorite verses in the Bible. <laughs> John 21, verse 12. <laughs> the guys are out fishing, trying to figure out life after, <laughs> after Jesus has you know, died and risen. And he's kind of making these almost like ghostly appearances over the period of some weeks. And they don't know what to do, so they just go back and go fishing again. And Jesus makes an appearance. And, and, and they cast their nets, you know, one more time, and they bring in this huge load of fish. 
And they come in and Simon realizes that it's Jesus. He starts, you know, swimming to shore and they, they, they get back to the shore and they drag their, their nets to the shore. And Jesus says in John 21, 12, he says, hey guys, come and have breakfast. <laughs> I love it. Come and have breakfast. What are you doing? I, you know, I, I want to invite you to come have breakfast. Pull up a chair at the family table. The Holy Spirit is beckoning you. The Father is waiting for you with open arms. Jesus died for you to be at this table. Come have breakfast. Come and be close to God. Maybe you need to be baptized, to be born again and adopted into the family, to receive the Holy Spirit, to be, to be you know, signed, sealed, delivered into the family. But if you already have, come have breakfast. <laughs> Walk with God every day. Read the word every day. Pray fast. Seek him. Enjoy him. Draw near to him. Abide with him. Remain in him. Be one with him. See, Satan is throwing everything he has into keeping you from being close to your father. He's throwing everything he has at undoing the power of the cross. I'm sure, just like he did with Jesus 2,000 years ago, you better believe he threw everything he had at trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross or, or, or just, just to get him to sin and blow it. He's throwing everything he has at breaking up the Christian family on earth, breaking up our unity, breaking up the church. We see it right now in our churches. But we have a secret weapon, y'all. The Holy Spirit. A family bond that connects. It's our shared DNA. You've got it. If you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, as his disciple, you've got it. Don't quench the spirit. Fan it into flame. Come have breakfast. So I urge you in the spirit, through Jesus Christ, to come have breakfast. What are you waiting for? Pull up a chair, draw near to your father. He has set a place for you at the family table. the Lord today, for he is all my hope and stay. A God is good, his name is great, hallelujah.